You ready? Stop drinking. We're recording. Good evening, everyone. Don't you think you can put the jug down at least while we're doing a podcast? It's coffee. Yeah. And if you know me, you know it is coffee. Yeah, that's what they all say. Denial ain't just a river in Egypt, dear. Anyhow, good evening and welcome to another episode of the podcast from P-Town. I am your co-host. Yes, I was welcomed back one more week. And your host, say hi. Hi. How are you? Cold, actually. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm going to have to start building a fire in here. Mm. I don't think we're at it's, that point. It's getting pretty chilly. we got to do our part in global warming. Right. Uh, hope everybody's having a good week out there. Um, another unsuccessful deer hunting year for me. My son got a really nice one, though. He got a pretty good-sized uh, buck. Yes. Hopefully. Uh, Very fat. Yeah, he was a big buck. He was a big body. He, was big he had buck. to drug that thing for like two and a half miles, is what he said. Yeah. So, in reality, it was probably 500 yards, but no, I whatever. I think so. It was on his onyx. Um, so. We're a day late. Yeah, we're a day late, dollar short, story of my life. Had to. Uh, we went and watched my son's, or my nephew's football game last night, mm-hmm. and I had to help my son finish cleaning up that deer. Last night, so we didn't get to record. So, but here we are, uh, better late than never. And this may be the last recording that we do because I feel like I'm coming down with a cold. Could be the big one. I think you all know what a man cold is. It could be the big one. Uh-huh. May not make it through till next week. Mm-hmm. I'll carry you, on the tradition. You never know. So, anyhow, uh, taking a look at the news, uh, the news correspondent. You evidently give him an extra day, and he goes off the rails. So, um, Thank you, news correspondent. Anyhow, so this one here is kind of interesting. Uh, it's the Nord Stream Pipeline. And this pipeline is the natural gas lifeline between Russia and the European Union. And it says some en- entity allegedly sabotaged the Nord Stream 2 uh, pipeline in Danish and Swedish waters while no less than four U.S. Navy ships were in the area, along with other other NATO warships, right? So two alleged explosions, and now there's four leaks that are being reported from this pipeline. And uh, it says the Nord 2 has never been in service, actually. Its final construction was blocked by none other than our great Joe Biden, who claimed he would destroy it back in February of 22. So... Biden and Blinken are trying to blame Russia. Who's Blinken? Uh, he's somebody in Biden's cabinet. I oh, don't know. Gotcha. Uh, I think he was one of the reindeer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Biden, uh, they tried to blame Russia, but Biden stated that he would destroy it. Now, Poland, this gets kind of weird. I mean, Poland is thanking America for blowing it up. Denmark and Sweden whose seabed blew up, are looking pretty stupid militarily. And with U.S. Navy ships nearby, they look pretty stupid as well. Now, Norway has asked Germany and France to help protect the Russian pipeline, which, why wouldn't they ask the U.S. Navy? It seems like it's just a blame game going... All these different countries are getting in there. Um, But there's no clue who blew it up, but um, suspect it wasn't Russia... But let's just assume that Russia did it for discussion. The U.S., Sweden, and Danish warships were in the vicinity. 
Um, so the Swedes and the Danes military could not protect the pipeline, but a Swede-Polish line next to the pipelines were not damaged. So there are these two pipelines, and the Swedish and Polish pipeline beside that one wasn't damaged when it had the explosions, right? Um, then U.S. Navy ships that carry specialty divers and many subs or even Navy SEALs, they couldn't protect the pipeline. So NATO could not protect this narrow strait near the North Atlantic, so Russia somehow hacked U.S. and NATO systems to sneak through their defenses to sabotage a pipeline they own that Biden said he would destroy, and Euro citizens need to survive as EU governments freeze and starve their own citizens. Um, it's, a natural, it's a natural gas pipeline, so it makes you wonder why gas prices went up when the leaks were found. It's all, it was all kind of really very confusing. Wait, but don't... Aren't Biden and Putin friends? No. Oh. No. No. Isn't I don't think Putin's friends with anybody. Well, I, well, I agree with you, but... Um, didn't something happen with Russia? Like, Biden's son was friends with Russia? Or? Biden's son was friends with Germany. Oh, Germany. Or, uh, not China. Oh, China. Yeah. Um, so, hmm. Biden was yeah. going to shut it down anyways. Somebody beat him to it, and they think it's Russia. Well, they don't. But why would Russia blow up their own pipeline? The guy with, is crazy. But with U.S. warships in the area. And if you think about it, usually when there's U.S. warships above the water, there's U.S. submarines below the water. But how did it... Did it actually explode? Did, like, well, it said there explosions? were a couple of explosions, and now there's four leaks. But then the other weird part is the other pipeline that runs beside it, I'm not sure how close, wasn't damaged. <laughs> oh, very interesting. Hmm. Okay. So, uh, this one's kind of sad. Michael Landon's grandson, Dylan Lupia, uh, he was walking along the bike lane in the coastal city of Rancho Palos Verdes, that? On August 17th, when Metro Local 344 bus struck him and continued down the road. It's believed that uh, Dylan died instantly from head injuries. Oh. As mom said, I just want answers. It's all I can think about. How can you not know you just hit a human being? This man didn't even stop to see what happened, nor did he call 911. My oh. son was left to die on the side of the road. Um. Oh. The bus didn't stop because the driver thought someone was trying to vandalize the vehicle. What? Um, however, the driver did call L.A. Metropolitan Transportation Authority after making the next stop. Uh, and it says, uh, there are still so many unanswered questions. As a mother, I will do anything in my power to get answers. And then the other weird part, Dylan's wallet was found on him, and it still contained his ID, money, and his credit card. However, his keys and his cell phone were missing. In addition, his car has also not been found. That's kind of weird. It's very sad. Uh, Biden's coming to the state of Oregon. Friday. Uh, is it Friday? Yeah. We should go welcome him. Biden will be joining Democrat Tina Kotek. Tina nope, Kotex. Nope. <laughs> Kotex. Uh, on the campaign trail, she tries to fend off Republican Christine Drazen, who I really like, and unaffiliated Betsy Johnson. Uh, Kotek and Drazen appear to be neck and neck, prompting Biden to enter the fray with his visit Friday and Saturday. If I was running neck and neck with somebody, 
and I needed support, I think the last person I'd ask to support me is Biden. Of course, in our liberal state, probably going to help her. Uh-huh. But uh, Drazen's campaign, meanwhile, seizes it as a sign of desperation. The D.C. political class is in full panic mode to rescue Tina Kotek's failing and flailing campaign. Kotek. No, it says Tina Kotek's oh. failing and flailing campaign. Oh. Uh, Drazen Campaign Communications Director John Burke told the local outlet... Oregonians are ready for change, and Kotek is desperate to talk about anything other than her allegiance to Kate Brown and the agenda they've pushed that's caused massive homelessness, rising crime, and higher costs. They know Christine Drazen is going to win this race, and there's nothing they can do to stop that from happening. I pray that she does win. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, irregardless, I mean... Uh, I do. Especially if this gal is in cahoots with Kate Brown. I've I mean, Kate Brown has run this state into a freaking... Mm-hmm. Uh, Drazen pulls out a victory. She would be the first GOP governor since Vic Gatea, which who was elected in 1978 and then re-elected again in 1982. So it's been 40 years. Oh my gosh. Um, Time for change, people. Vote. Oregon wants to dumb down graduation standards so it can again. hide how badly it is failing our kids. Bureaucrats in our state capital, Salem, are recommending that we dumb down requirements to cover the fact that the public schools are failing our kids. On June 22nd of 2021, the Oregon legislature passed SB 744, which removed the accountability measures that showed whether a high school graduate had a 10th grade proficiency level in reading, writing, and math. Mm -hmm. Uh, The legislature lowered the bar for kids because the system is so broken that they feared graduating seniors can't meet 10th grade proficiency level. Uh, I can see that. Yeah. Already. I don't know. It almost, I don't know about this. Dumbing it down is not going to do it. Well, I'm not good. dumbing it down, but I mean, there's a lot of kids that are still doing really good that yeah. are above a 10th grade proficiency. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of kids that aren't, but uh, this also removes accountability that schools actually help students reach necessary proficiency levels. This move undoubtedly supported by the government teachers union in the name of equity the requirements the legislature voted to remove served as a checkpoint for students to get them extra help if they're not meeting the necessary proficiency levels. Before the pandemic, Oregon ranked nearly last in the nation in education success metrics. But thanks to the Oregon Department of Education's progressive state standards, they'll be fluent in gender identity, social justice, and social emotional learning. In a matter of weeks, there's an election that will have drastic implications on the direction where our state is headed, including... Uh, determining these new graduation standards. Remember the candidates who lowered the quality of education for our kids. One more news story. We're getting there. Uh, The weird cow tax that some farmers may soon have to pay. Cow tax? Cow tax. Taxing farmers for cow burps sounds bizarre, but it's exactly what New Zealand farmers are now facing thanks to a governmental proposal to reduce greenhouse gases. New Zealand is the first country in the world to seriously propose a cow tax on burping and peeing as a way to meet climate change goals. Oh my God. The government suggested that farmers could offset the new levy by charging consumers more for climate-friendly products. A UC Davis report on cows and climate change explains that cattle are the top producers of greenhouse gases worldwide. In fact, a single cow will burp up about 220 pounds of methane every year. While methane is a shorter-lived gas than carbon dioxide, it's 28 times more potent in heating up the atmosphere. Farm animals also produce nitrous oxide gas when they urinate. This is a larger problem in New Zealand than in other countries because farm animals greatly outnumber humans on the island nation. New Zealand is home to 5 million people, 
but they live alongside 10 million cows and 26 million sheep. Therefore, about half of New Zealand's greenhouse gases come from the livestock, and the cow tax is the government's attempts to lower its effects. You cannot make and they this say those sheep can hear a zipper a mile away. I, I am absolutely flabbergasted that that is even a thing. I thought it was just our stupid country that was thinking this crap up. You know, they have safe sex in New Zealand. I don't want to hear. I totally they didn't even. Marking the sheep that kick. All right. Do you want another one? Nope. Nope. Okay. No. Okay. So moving on. Uh, deaths this week. Angela Lansbury died. And also, do you know what she was playing? She played on. She didn't play on anything. Yes, she did. She wrote uh, murder. She wrote. She was still in it. Was she? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Oh, no, she was not. She was. Lenny Lipton died. He was 19 when he wrote the lyrics for the 1963 song "Puff the Magic Dragon," performed by Peter Paul and Mary. And in a tribute to our co-host, I've got a little story. So, co-host, what do you think of Jackie Paper? Why? Well, because. So, here's how the story goes. Oh, gosh. When our kids were really little, we always had music on in the house for them, right? And um, they would always listen to music and stuff like this, you know. And I mean, we're talking pretty little, like really little. And uh, so... Uh, one one of the favorite songs that they like to listen to was Puff the Magic Dragon. So I come home one day, and somebody's in a bit of a foul mood, and I said, what's wrong? And she said, Jackie Paper's an asshole. <laughs> and I'm not sure if this was because of, like, postpartum hormones or what. But And it is a sad part of the song, and you all can sing along with me if you like. But in the song, she finally listened to the words of the song, and it says, A dragon lives forever, but not so little boys. Painted wings and giant rings make way for other toys. One gray night it happened, Jackie Paper came no more, and puffed that mighty dragon, he ceased his fearless roar. His head was bent in sorrow, green scales fell like rain. Puff no longer went to play along the cherry lane. Without his lifelong friend, Puff could not be brave, so Puff that mighty dragon sadly slipped into his cave. Are you seriously crying? <laughs> no. I mean, it's a sad part of the song, but you don't need to be calling little kids an asshole. <laughs> I didn't call him. I don't remember calling him. You were him. so angry at this kid that it isn't even a real kid <laughs> because he grew up equipped. I mean, it's sad, yeah, but... <laughs> Do I have to play a Hallmark commercial to get you over this? <laughs> no. Move on. Evidently, we have to now. <laughs> well, I'll move on. Oh, I good grief. I can't this up. It was supposed to be a funny ha-ha, not a... <laughs> I'm sensitive. Evidently. <laughs> My gosh. Okay. Whew. <laughs> Serenity now. In with the bad air. Or out with the bad what? air, in with the good air. You're the one that brought it up. I don't know why. Well, because Lipton died. <laughs> okay. And he wrote the song, or okay. he wrote the poem. That... Okay, so 
now we're finally getting into the episode. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, evidently. So this week, we're talking about Bernard Getz. Do you know who Bernard Getz is? No. Well, you're about to learn. You know, uh, I didn't know Lenny Lipton either. I was asking one of the kids that didn't know uh, if he knew who Bernard Getz was, and he didn't, but he was also born in 1999, which was 15 years after this event take place. Who was born in 1999? The kid that I was talking to. Oh, I thought you met one of our kids. I was like, You were born you? long before that. Yes. Um, so this guy, he came up in the media in 1984. Um, at this time, my gosh, <laughs> he became known as the Subway Vigilante. And now do you know who he was? The Subway, you remember the Subway Vigilante? Kind of. So in looking at the background of this case, uh, it's actually a pretty interesting story. Uh, story, it's bought, it's brought a bunch of praise and criticism to this Getz guy. Um, it also kind of brought New York City into the crime spotlight. So, Getz, he was born in uh, Kew Gardens, which is a part of Queens. Oh. And he, he was born on ni- November 7th of 1947. His parents were German immigrants who actually met once they were here in the U.S. Um, which, if you think about it at the time, it was right after World War II. Um, and these guys were in the U.S., Kind of interesting walking around with a German accent right after we got done with the biggest war anybody's ever known. But anyhow, he uh, he had three older siblings. His dad worked on a dairy farm, and he had a bookbinding business. And when he was 12 years old, his parents sent him and one of his sisters to Switzerland to a boarding school, which, um, that's kind of interesting. They sent him all, all the way over there for a boarding school. Um, Straighten up. Yeah. But he returned in 1965 to attend college, uh, so he was he must have been over there in Switzerland for about six years. Um, in college, he ended up getting a bachelor's degree in electrical engineering and nuclear engineering. And during this time, his family, they'd moved to Orlando, Florida, and he moved down there for a time as well. It also said that he was married for a short time, but that ended in divorce, and he ended up moving back to New York, and he opened up a business in Greenwich Village. So he owned an electronics business in New York, and he lived in Queens. Um, but I'm not sure if that's in location to where the crime took place or what. But he said that in 1981, he'd been attacked on one of the subway trains. And he said that uh, back then, he was attacked by three men who were trying to rob him. And they allegedly smashed him into a window or into the door, something like that, on the train, and then threw him to the ground. But he was able to... Uh, help an off-duty police uh, off-duty police officer came by and was witnessing it and so he helped the police officer in subduing one of the attackers um but since they hadn't evidently completed the process of robbing him the on, uh the guy only ended up getting a criminal mischief charge the other two guys that was with this guy got they away. ended up getting away but he got a criminal mischief charge for ripping his jacket and it was said that the guy spent half the amount of time in the police office that Getz did. Um, which I'm not sure why he didn't get assault or attempted burglary or something like that. Right. But uh, Getz, he was pretty ticked off about that. Because this guy was actually in and out of the police department quicker than what it took for Getz to go down there and report the story and all this other stuff. So here's where it gets kind of dicey. Because after this, Getz applied for an uh, for a concealed carry permit, 
Um, he stated that he needed it because he was often carrying large sums of money um, as well as carrying along uh, valuable equipment. But his application was denied due to sufficient need or insufficient need, which I didn't know that you could they could deny your application. I also didn't know that you couldn't just carry a gun there. Um, if they go through the training and whatnot to get a CCW, you know, whatever. But anyhow, this kind of put a chip on his shoulder against the police and against New York and all stuff. He was mad about how the crime was handled. Um, now they declined his CCW as well, so he couldn't carry with him. But um, he ended up going to Florida and bought a five-shot thirty-eight caliber revolver shortly afterwards. And so he was carrying this thing illegally on him. Um, so now we're going to fast forward. It's Saturday morning, December 22nd, 1984. And four young men from the Bronx end up boarding a train. And their names were uh, Barry Allen, Troy Canty, uh, Daryl Cabey. All those guys were uh, 19. And then James Ramsier, who was 18. So, so these guys, they'd already been convicted of at least one, or at least once of crimes. The, all, all these guys already had a criminal record to them. So obviously they were up no, to no good. And to prove that, they said later after this thing that they were um, headed to rob a video arcade in Mon in Manhattan. So they had admitted that mm -hmm. they were going to no good. Um, so then at the 14th Street station, Getz got on the train. And out of nowhere, the theme music to The Good, The Bad, The Ugly started playing. You know, the... Yeah. Um... He stepped onto the train with his duster blowing in the wind and his cowboy hat pulled down low over his eyes. Is that really true? His trusty thirty-eight revolver held snugly in its holster on his hips. No, it's not true. Never mind. It could have been true. Mm. You don't know that. But anyhow, gets he ended up getting on the train and he sat on the bench across from Canty. And it didn't take long once he got on for things to start to unfold. Canty looked at him and he said, how you doing? And Getz said, fine. And then, according to Getz, the four started giving signs to each other. And at this point, Canty and Allen got up and positioned themselves uh, to Getz's left, which basically was separating him from the other passengers. There were some other passengers that were on this car at the same time. But they kind of separated him. Um, and at this point, Getz can feel the cold steel, and he's getting as giddy as a girl on prom night. And... Uh, he was thinking, you know, this is the day it's all going to pay off. So Kenny, he approached Getz and said, give me $5. And at this point, um, Getz pulled his gun and fired all five shots at the four men, injuring them all. So, in the trial... What? I'm just listening. So in the trial of all this thing, uh, Kenny and Ramser, they said that they were just begging, like panhandling from him. Um, KB, he didn't testify, and then Alan pled the fifth. Um, so, some quick thoughts that I have. These, uh, hoodlums, they're on this train. They stated that they were headed to rob someplace. They all had criminal records, so everybody knows that they were up to no good. And when somebody is going to plead the fifth, mm -hmm. irregardless, it just immediately makes me suspicious. Um, if they didn't have anything to do with it or hadn't done anything wrong then why not state that? You know what I'm saying? Right. But then again, on the other hand, Trump pled the fifth, 
not so long ago in a court case when the Dems were trying to get him on something. Mm -hmm. So he pled the fifth too. But with these kids, why would if you were truly panhandling, mm -hmm. why wouldn't you do something? But uh, also you've got Getz that was carrying this gun around with him and had a chip on his shoulder. Um, so I wouldn't really condemn him for trying to protect himself. But there's been a bunch of different versions of the shooting and who got sh shot first and whatnot. But in the end, the actual shooting only took about 1.6 seconds. Oh, my gosh. I think KB ended up getting the worst of it. He ended up being a paraplegic. Oh. Uh, and then things kind of turned from bad to worse. Uh, forgets. After he shot them, he... Uh, I watched... Well, let me go. After he shot him, he went and sat down at the other end of the car. Uh, the conductor came out and asked him what happened, and Getz told him that they tried to rob him, so he shot them. The conductor asked him to give him the gun, and Getz said no. The train eventually came to a stop, and then Getz went on the run, which, if it was truly self-defense, why would you run? But he ran back to an empty platform uh, and exited there. He then went to his apartment, got some belongings, and rented a car and took off. He ended up staying in multiple hotels around New England using different names and always paying in cash. But by this point, the cops were on to him. At first, they didn't know his name, but someone came forward and said that it matched uh, Getz's description. And uh, they also said that he, had or that he had mugged someone before, or that someone had tried to mug him before. So on December 29th, he called his neighbor, who told, uh, uh, told him that the cops had come by looking for him. And they left notes for him to contact them as soon as possible. Then on December 30th, he drove back to New York turned the car in, rented another one, and went back to New England. Then on the 31st, he walked into the Concord Police Department, turning himself in, saying, I'm the guy that they're looking for in New York. So once they verified that he was the guy, he was read his rights, and he waived the right to an attorney. They interviewed him first, and then asked him to give a taped interview, which he agreed to. And this is where it it kind of came out in this movie that I watched about this. He didn't really help himself out in the interviews. Because uh, he was still pretty jaded against the police and the crime situation in New York. In New York. And he talked about his last mugging and how uh, he had been beaten and whatnot. They found that there was no premeditation to the shooting, but he did admit that when he pulled his gun, his, his intent was to kill the thugs. Which, if you're, they teach you in CCW classes that if you're going to pull your gun, that's always your intent. Or to uh, get the... Uh, uh, to minimize the threat. Mm -hmm. But anyhow, um, he probably should have used different verbiage than that. Um, he also didn't do himself uh, any justice by shooting the one of the guys twice. He was said to have said, after he shot all four of them, and then I think it was KB was sitting there on the, and he says, you don't look so bad, here's another one for you, and shot him again. But then that's been disputed whether or not he actually said that. And then he also said in an interview that the only problem was that he had ran out of bullets. Mm. So he really wasn't doing himself any favors. No. So he finally got put in jail on a $50,000 bond. And he bonded out using his own money. And on January, or he bonded out on January 8th. So about nine days after he turned himself in. So leading up to his court date, there were obviously mixed feelings about this case. Uh, Facebook would have just gone crazy if it was around in those days. Mm. Um, but there were a lot of supporters that were uh, for him. Everyone, they were kind of getting tired of the crime situation in New York. Uh, people were going out and raising up defense funds for him and stuff. 
Uh, they actually were trying to get people on the jury of this thing I was listening to that had been victims of crime in the subways to kind of paint the light of how dangerous it was getting in there. But then on the other hand, you had a bunch of people that were against it. A lot of them believe the original statement that the guys were just panhandling, but this got put to rest when KB admitted in an interview that their intent was to rob him. They said he looked like an easy target, um, which they were proved wrong. Then, of course, you had the racial situation that was brought forth by the NAACP since it was involving a white guy and some black guys, which they were saying if it had been a black guy shooting four white guys, uh, people would have immediately called for the death penalty, which I can't say that I probably disagree with that. It seemed, It's not right, but probably would have happened. But when I was watching the movie on this, that Al Sharpton or one of those guys was the one talking on it, um, and he's just a whole other story. But irregardless, he did end up going to trial. He was finally charged with, or he was finally charged with and convicted with uh, criminal possession of a weapon and carrying a loaded, unlicensed weapon in public. Uh, they weren't able to get him on the murder charges. He got off on those. He got sentenced to six months in jail, five years probation, 200 hours community service, and a $5,000 fine. Uh, then they took it to the appellate court and they changed it to a year in jail with no probation. And he ended up serving eight months. But then, KB's family and lawyers, they filed a civil suit against him, which actually, it took place in 1996, which was 11 years after the incident actually took place. Um, and it came out that they were basically using the whole race thing as a theme for this trial. They ended up uh, winning this trial to the tune of $43 million. Oh my gosh. $25 million for pain and suffering and $18 million in punitive, in punitive damages. Is he the guy that was a paraplegic? Yeah. Okay. But Gates ended up filing bankruptcy shortly after, so it was unsure if how much of this money they actually got. Oh. Well, who has that uh, kind of money? Nobody. Well, yeah. Yeah. But after it was said and done, Getz, he went along with his life. He was given quite a few interviews. He actually tried running for the mayor of New York in 2001, but he was defeated. Mm-hmm. And it was said... Um, Part of the problem was is in that movie that I was watching about it, he was talking to the media a ton, but th- then he finally got a lawyer or something, and the lawyer was like, dude, the media isn't your friends in this whole deal. They're right. painting you out to be a... So all this running his mouth to the media that he'd been doing wasn't doing him any favors. So, anyhow. Um, I would like to say that the four attackers ended up turning their lives around and became upstanding folks, but in 1985, Ramsier... He called the police to say that two uh, men who were hired by Getz kidnapped and attempted to kill him. Uh, once they played the emergency call back to him, he admitted it was a hoax and he was just testing police response to a black man being the victim. Then in 1986, he was convicted and sentenced uh, to raping, sodomizing, and robbing a young pregnant woman. Aww. He was released in 2002 but was sent back to prison in 2005 for parole violation. He got out again in 2010. Then in 2011, on the 27-year anniversary of the incident, he was found dead from a possible drug overdose. Oh. Um, Troy Canty's whereabouts are currently unknown. His most recent conviction was shoplifting a home pregnancy kit in 1990. Hmm. Um, I didn't find much on Barry Allen, but at the time of the trial, when it was taking place, he was doing time at Rikers Island Prison. And then Daryl Cabey, he is in a wheelchair, or he's wheelbarched, wheelchair bound and living with his mother and it was reported that due to the time he spent in a coma he suffered brain damage and has the cognitive ability of an eight-year-old 
Oh, wow. So it's actually pretty sad uh, all around. But um, it was kind of one of the first times that the media got really heavily involved in a, you know, a criminal trial and kind of tried to paint their own version and paint the verdict before it actually even got read. Hmm. So, uh, yeah. And that's pretty much uh, all I've got for that one. Um, like I said, I have, I'm have i needing some uh, ideas for podcast ideas. I think I just got done researching the last item in the song. And uh, i got to warn you, it's not going to be a real long one. So I'm going to have to think of some stuff to talk about. And so you guys got to send me some ideas of what you guys want to uh, hear us blab on about. Maybe we can talk about uh, Magical Dragons of 1963. No. Or something. No. Nope. That would be kind of fun to talk about. No, nope, not at all. We could sit here and tell jokes to each other. No. That would be kind of fun. No. Um, huh. Well. Good try. So the point is, somebody's got to give us some ideas to for Rich to research. Yeah. Because <laughs> obviously nobody else around here is going to do the research. Correct. I'm a co-host. Well, sometimes the co-host just uh, hangs around and does the work to make the host look good. Yeah. Kind of like... Not this one. Uh, kind of like Vanna and Pat Sajak. Yeah. Well, pay me her salary and I'll do that. I heard she works for free. Well, they're lying. Um, so, anyhow, I uh, hope you guys are enjoying this. Uh, we've been going on... It's going to be like two years here pretty quick. Really? Yeah. Hmm. And you just... You just came in at the very end. I know. Maybe we should just go back and start all over again and do them all again with you on them. Nope. That'd be kind of fun. Okay, give us some I ideas. I wouldn't have to do as much research. I uh, know. It's not how this works. I've actually been trying to think of stuff to research, and I'm just kind of coming up with brain fog. I don't know if I should do history. I was thinking about doing true crime stuff, but there's already so many true crime podcasts out there right now mm-hmm. that it just seems like everybody's kind of beating the same drum. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't know. Well, there's got to be something out there. Yeah. We want to do something different. Or, you know, if somebody wants to call in, we can do a podcast like the whole interview style of podcast right. where we talk to people. And um, then I wouldn't just be making fun of you. I'd be making fun of them, too. Oh, lucky us. Because that's what I'm pretty good at, evidently. Evidently. Okie dokie. Well, um, hope you guys are enjoying it. I hope you guys uh, stay safe out there. Yes. Hopefully... Uh, we get some cold weather by the time elk season rolls around. Maybe uh, some snow, so it makes it easier to track those suckers. Yep. And uh, that's pretty much this. the end for this one. We will see you on the next one. Okay. Be kind. Do something nice for somebody else. Bye. <laughs>